people post a sob story and then people vote which sob story gets the watch. People used to email Blog to Watch all the time. People would send sob stories as though I was like Watch Santa Claus. And I was like, wow, you've had a terrible life. Here's a luxury timepiece to make you feel better. So I have a bunch of them to give away. I don't know why they were emailing me, but I mean, I don't know, some crazy thing where it's like the Hunger Games, but for watches, people have to compete and like, ah, you get this used Christopher Ward from 2017, sir. You win. Greetings and welcome to this week's A Blog to Watch Weekly. We welcome all you watch creeps, watch hyphen creeps, watch dash creeps. Ariel, are you feeling more watch creepy this week than you did last week? You're never going to let me uh, live that one up, are you? No, 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 no. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. I think we get t-shirts. We need t-shirts. What is it going to say? Just watch creep or yeah, proud watch, watch creep? creep. <laughs> David, you're in charge of t-shirts. What's it going to say? Yeah, I'm sure watch creep would help you find new friends really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how are you both gentlemen? David, are you well? Very well. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, there was a wee pause there, but you had, to, you had to think about it. You had to consider it. Am I? I am David. Am I feeling well? And David On a is Tuesday well. morning. Ariel, how are you this week? <laughs> On a Tuesday morning. <laughs> Ariel, yourself? Well, I'm on the eve of going to New York City for more than a week, and I'm wearing a watch that can't really talk about yet because it's not going to be launched uh, until close to the end of October. But I'm quite excited about this. This is another collaboration watch I've done. Um, and um, I'm, I'm just wondering what people are going to think. Um, honestly, I like it a lot. And that's the most interesting thing I found when you release something is seeing how people react. I don't care if they like it or not. I just literally am curious like what it reminds them of and how they react. And is there any plastic involved or the word moon anywhere? Uh, not on the outside. Not the on inside, the outside, we no, never know. We never know on the never inside. Know, never know. <laughs> <laughs> little, little, little gremlins. Good stuff. Well, actually, last week, we have some last week's show this week. So uh, the dear owner of Fairer Watches reached out and contacted me it is pronounced fairer so there you go mm. resolved like the fairer sex like is that what you mean like the like the fairer sex what was so the what go. was the other option for pronouncing it fairer oh okay see, over see there used to be there still is there's a brand like of trouser over here which did you guys at school were there ever like trends for like actually Ariel, did you wear a school uniform? School uniform isn't really a thing in the States, is it? Or is uh, it? No, no. We were definitely no. in LA in the 90s, you know, going to school <laughs> and stuff. It was all about very specific trends. And a lot of it was giant pants. I remember giant pants was a thing for a while. Um, and uh, the chain on the wallet. That was very exciting. <laughs> Love the chain on the wallet. The bigger the chain. So you still see them once in a while. You're like, did that guy not get the memo like 30 years ago? Or was he like, you know what? I'm not going to give this up. This is useful to me. He just really doesn't want to lose his wallet. <laughs> is there a school uniform culture in Hungary? Well, in my high school, we had to wear a blue shirt or whatever clothes we were wearing. And this was so as to disguise the uh the the status or the wealth differences between between the the kids which was pointless because you could still see if someone had like an expensive shoe or sweater or phone or whatever 
or phones not so much but still you know a disc man or something like that and uh and so yeah that that thing was a thing for a while but uh we worked very hard to get rid of it and eventually actually the the, the school was like okay you don't have to wear it anymore and well uh, the reason i'm telling this is that the whole fire thing there was a very brief phase back in mid 80s i suppose when Farah trousers, mm. Lyle and Scott or Pringle jumpers was the way you circumvented the school rules of you had to wear mm. trousers, a shirt and a jumper. That was the only brand you could get away with. So there you go. So I, I've always looked at it and thought Farah rather than Farah. But there we go. <laughs> anyway, moving on, some other old, some other news, the Oak Collection. Ariel, you got to see this when you were in London and it's now apparently all going under the hammer with Christie's. What do we think about that? Because I think at the time we thought, well, this guy not maybe just put them all in a museum somewhere, but clearly he's just going to take the money and run. Well, the Oak Collection um, consists of a lot of watches, not just the ones that apparently are being sold. Um, at the time, there was a relationship with Christie's already. <laughs> and I think it wasn't exactly rocket science to be like, Christie's is excited about selling something, right? So <laughs> look, with a, with a collection that size, I think that there's a desire to sell certain things off. You want to consolidate. You know, it, he's, he's not collecting as prolifically. Um, maybe that's money that can go to charitable purposes. Who, who, who knows what... what the financials are behind it. I don't think that family needs the money. Christie certainly is excited about that. Um, but this is someone who has collected amongst things that are their own personal taste, the very popular stuff. And so these are a lot of the sort of crowd pleasing, like, oh, I've heard of that. Oh, I've heard of that. Um, and, and, and that is, I think, what makes them interesting because it's not like, wow, I never knew about that watch. A lot of the stuff they're selling are like those popular hits. Um, so from a marketing per perspective, that's very exciting. And if you had owned the Oak Collection and you were going to sell it all off, but keep one, can you remember one you saw? That would be, yeah, if you could, you'd sell them all, but that's the one you'd keep. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, what I loved about it was that there was two sides of the collection. There was Mr. Jetreed's uh, watches that he himself personally loved, which very few of those were on display. And the rest were, like I said, the crowd-pleasing ones. Um and I'd like to get to know a little bit more of the ones that um, you know were interesting to him. But like I said, if you had a lot of money and you just wanted to go ahead and buy the popular stuff out there, he also did a lot of that. So it's sort of like you know you've heard about it on social media. You've you you've seen a bunch of people say it's a grail. You've you know you've you've looked at all the high uh, prices and now you can check them out. Like so, it, it's sort of like this touristy collection, right? Like if you've been a tourist of of watch content and social media the last 10 years, like this will be exciting for you. And I, and I don't mm -hmm. know, I don't know what the best one is. Cause that's not the way I work. I mean, for me, um, you know, he probably the most interesting ones uh, are not the ones that are being sold. And finally, another bit of news. I saw that there had been a robbery. I've, I'm assuming from what I saw that I don't think it'd been any injuries, but uh, a Swatch store had been robbed of all of its Blanc Pan. Swifty Fathoms at watches. Uh, is the world just going mad when folk are breaking into plastic watch shops to steal plastic watches? Sorta. David, uh, how mad is the world? 
Give us a rant. I, I mean, if you're stealing everything every day, uh, it's just, it, it's just, you know, you, you just happen to stroll by and you were like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to just steal these as well before I steal some iPhones and some other stuff from some other stores. So it's not like <laughs> someone was like hyper-focused on those. He just happened to, you know, walk past it. And since we have this smash and grab culture in some places, they were like, oh, this is like a nice opportunity. I mean, it's all nicely cased up and everything because these are like in this pally case of source so you just have to like go there close it and walk away with it and yeah maybe that's what happened it was like an easy easy steel case container <laughs> close the case and run <laughs> it's just la- it's just lazy robbery really <laughs> lazy like, robbery. you like you like your you like your you like your robbers to put some effort in you know some some planning some oceans 11 type skullduggery yeah not just Walk in, smash a window, grab a pellet case. Oh. Just, it's just lazy. We don't, we, we don't have the quality of robbers that we used to have. Ocean's Eleven would have been a much shorter movie if they could have just walked in, grab it, and just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> and that would probably have been a good thing. There would have been no need for what was there? Ocean's Twelve, Thirteen. What was the one that was eight? Was Ocean's Thirteen the female cast? What was the one with the female I cast? I think that was like eight or nine or something. Was that? Who knows? Oh, that's a, like Star Wars. They started at the middle number and then went yes. back the way. We'll do episode four. Let's then we'll do episode let's, one. Let's do this. This is what we just described with the Blancpain theft. It would have been Ocean's One. <laughs> it's one guy. Ocean's... No, it'd just be Ocean. Like, just Ocean. Just Ocean. <laughs> ocean. Right. Just wait. The I'm sure the origin story will be along any minute now. Mm. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I mean, oceans origins. Look, I mean, <laughs> we know that criminals tend to look for inspiration from other crimes, right? They're already taking shortcuts in life. They're not going to invent their own crimes. And when there's a lot of crimes related to stealing watches. In the news for the last couple of years, criminals wondering how they're going to make money think of two things. What can I steal and what can I steal most easily? And eventually they're going to realize, like, wait a minute, the swatch store isn't as heavily guarded. Um, and and it just takes that one time. Um, I guess swatch is probably laughing because they're like, oh, my God, we've never been able to file an insurance claim and make money Yay. this way. This is so exciting. We get to say we had hundreds of thousands in, of, of inventory in there. <laughs> are, so, you, are, you suge- are, are you suggesting someone might be pockling the insurance at the other end? No, but these are these are if they are properly insured, it's for the replacement mm. value, which, you know, is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh more than the actual industrial industrially uh, required a replacement value and or you know what it would take and so other brands have had this issue a lot and I've I've had you know off the record conversations with big companies who've had thefts and you know these are multi-million dollar recoveries um and so I think it's funny because you don't want this to happen but someone like Swatch has probably never had it happen. And I know someone at the office is like, you know what, guys? We are a luxury brand right now. High five. Yay. <laughs> you know, there's somebody there thinking about that way. <laughs> I, I, I'm just wondering whether in order to justify the insurance claim, they're like going to eBay and saying, well, yeah, I know it was for sale for $400. But look on eBay, it's actually worth three grand. Let's hope so. so Let's hope so, that that's happening and, and right it, now. Well, and we've closed the machines down. The only way we can put, replace our stock is by going to the marketplace and buying our stock back. <laughs> now we are Five on our own waiting list. That's not fair. 
<laughs> that's right. I, I, the universe collapses in and itself <laughs> in some sort of uh, singularity. This sucks. <laughs> uh, oh dear. Never mind. Well, yeah, just suffering along with the rest of us waiting in a queue for stuff. Our first thing to have a chat about is an a blog to watch event. And this is a Longines on the Queen Mary. This sounds this why don't they have events like this in Glasgow, Ariel? Why are Longines not going on the Clyde Ferry and inviting me, but instead they're inviting you to the Queen Mary at Long Beach, California? It was like our idea to be honest. We came up with the All Queen right, Mary okay. concept, so Oh, so if I come up with the idea of gathering everybody on the Waverly uh, yeah. In on a wet Scottish and pitch it to Longines. You think they might buy into it? I'll tell them it's a good idea. You tell them it's a good idea. World, world's last ocean-going paddle steamer. For all of those wow. that don't know what the Waverly is, but there we go. I feel like I want to anyway. go gamble on it or something. Mm. <laughs> yeah, going on it's a bit of a gamble, but that's a different matter. <laughs> uh, so tell us about this. What what is happening? How does one? get an invite to the Queen Mary to look at all things Longines? Well, uh, if you hear this show and there's still some spots available, then I recommend uh, the way to find out is to send an email to rsvp at a blog to watch.com. This event is going to take place on October 15th uh, here in Los Angeles um, in Long Beach at the Queen Mary. Uh, we, we're going to rent we're rented a room. Um, on this historic ship that was built in like the uh, mid-1930s. And the idea is to celebrate uh, the heritage of Longines. They're they're bringing out uh, their heritage director, and we're going to be chatting about some of their vintage watches there, which are really cool because Longines has a great history. They used to make tons and tons of their own movements and things like that. They were one of the, the 20th century's, you know, truly great watchmakers. A lot of their modern stuff, of course, is inspired by that, and they also have... Some of Edda's, in my opinion, most affordable, sort of like new high quality movements and things like that, like the new GMT, um, it's really affordable. It operates, you know, um, n- not like sort of the other Edda GMTs. It's a lot more like uh, the the movement in the Rolex GMT Master II. Um, you know, so there's a really lot of, of nice stuff they're offering right now. And it's going to be this great environment. The event is also in partnership with the retailer Ben Bridge. Uh, this is a, a, a multi-store um, uh, third-party retailer that has, has carried, you know, finely made Swiss watches for a long time, including Longines. So it's going to be uh, the retailer who has a bunch of stores uh, up and down the, the west coast of the United States. Uh, they're based in uh, Seattle, Washington, I believe. But they have a few stores in Los Angeles, and um, some of the key people from Longines are going to be there. We have another event uh, a week after that in Los Angeles that we'll announce soon. So there's, it's, I guess it's event season here, um, and uh, we, we really like doing these because the, the community really likes coming out. And people, one of the weirdest questions we've had now, we've never had this, people are like, does it cost anything? And I'm like, are, there, are people it? charging for watch <laughs> events now? Because we've never done this. Is this like a thing? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes, <laughs> really. It's a, it's oh yeah. There's plenty, yeah, plenty of watch events whereby you need to pay a pay a small fee or a, a donation will be welcome. But the donation is like, what do they yeah, want you to do? Drop one of your unwanted watches in a in a box or something? Like <laughs> that's a great way Bring to get it. rid of them, right? Wouldn't it be great if like you know we all have that watch and we're like we'd be lucky to get four hundred dollars for? Like, is it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> An amnesty, a watch amnesty. All those watches you look at, you go, no, I, I really shouldn't have bought that. I, I need to hide that from everybody. I'll just drop it in this no, box. But that's, it can be that's, resold that's for a, charity. That's going to be an amazing business uh, find. If somebody out there figures out a way to have people 
get some value for their unwanted watches that they can't get at least $1,000 for. There's nothing wrong with a watch. Maybe uh-huh. it was inexpensive to begin with, but we know that if you go to sell that watch in the market today, other than sort of posting it yourself on eBay or uh, you know some peer-to-peer form, I don't know, Reddit does it, like... That, that's really your only option. No dealer will take it. Nobody wants to buy that mm. watch. Nobody wants to take like 20 of your sub thousand dollar watches and like give you a Rolex. Like nobody wants to do that. So somebody out there, I don't know what value they can get from them, but if you can give people a few hundred bucks for those watches and do something with it or give them something else of value, like a credit towards another watch or something like that, that's going to be a big business model, in my opinion. I, mm. I know I've already uh, gone into my uh, youth of the past with a slightly non-fashionable kids' clothing, but there also used to be a kids' TV show over here called, uh, now, what was the original name? The, was the whole thing called Swap Shop? Anyway, it was a Saturday morning kids' TV show and the main conceit of it was that it was a swap shop and so you'd have folk phoning in saying, I have got this to swap and then somebody else would phone in and say, well, I'll swap you this for it. So maybe that's what we need. So if you want to take part in the blog to watch swatch, no, the blog to watch watch swap. There's no mm. way I can say that properly. Let's think about this. The blog to a watch, blog watch, to watch. Yeah, a blog to watch, watch, swap. I blog think to watch, watch, swap. Nobody wants that- this watch.com and just browse away. <laughs> no, 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 okay. no. That's not exciting for the recipient. Come on. Of course. That's the point. <laughs> so if you want to be the first person to suggest a watch that they are prepared to... Sh- to how, how about this? this? How about this? We create... Swap. No, you, people post a sob story and then people vote which sob story gets the watch right so somebody people used to email about to watch all the time and that's why i'm actually even saying this because people would send sob stories as though i was like watch santa claus and i was like wow you've had a terrible really? life here's a luxury timepiece to make you feel better so i have a bunch of them to give away oh. i don't know why they were emailing me but i mean i don't know some crazy thing where it's like the Hunger Games, but for watches. Uh, people have to compete <laughs> and like, ah, Great. you get this used Christopher Ward from 2017, sir. You win. Please <laughs> tell me you kept some of those. I get some emails like that occasionally as well, not to do with watches, but please tell me you kept some of those emails because some of those emails are the funniest things ever. Folk inve- clearly it's... inventing stories, which obviously work sometimes. Otherwise, Does they wouldn't it? put the effort in. Oh, it must work sometimes. Yeah. It's like it worked in like one the time, the very first time. Of the king of Nigeria. And uh, my heart is in sorrow. Send me Christopher Ward. I think the swap shop's got... Wait, I mean, Ariel, you must have a... Right, okay, what watch... What have I got here that I would be prepared to swap? I've probably got a swatch. I think I've got a one of those Picasso swatches. So if somebody wants to offer me something for a Pegaso Swatch watch, then, you know, offer me, make me an offer of some other watch that you think mm. I would enjoy and that you would enjoy the Pegaso Swatch watch. And if it takes off, we'll maybe up the ante to the Rolex GMT Look, Master 2. David knows that for at least the last six years I've been talking about building something around this concept. It's that weird issue with what do you do with the sub thousand dollar watches, which really ends up being the problem because... Yeah, if it's like, uh, I got a Panerai, I got a WC, you want to swap? Okay. Like that I can see, but that's not what ends up happening. People end up buying a bunch of inexpensive watches and want to trade up for something. 
And uh-huh. dealers aren't going to do it. When dealers yeah. see, like like I said, you know, a dozen watches that are okay, someone will buy it, but none of them they can sell for more than a thousand. They're like, I got to clean it up. I got to service it. I got to take pictures. Time. I got to do this. Yeah. And they're like, ah, I don't want to do that. So it's, the, the, I think the question is, what do you do? What is what? What do you do with the sub thousand dollar watches? And when I say sub thousand dollars, like that's what the retail, the, the resale, resale price of it, not the retail, but someone else is going to buy it for under a thousand. Who wants these watches exactly? How and how do you get it to them? That is, I think, the interesting question. It, somebody clearly does, but there's no efficient way that I know of to get it, get the those watches to who wants them. Well, go into our comments on the spotify app and you can offer from there you can just write in and i'll publish them saying uh, the way that you should do it on multicolored swap shop that was what the show was called is you would put in what you were prepared to swap and in an ideal world what you'd like to swap it for so if you've got something and there's something you want then stick it in the comments mm-hmm. and we'll read out the best the, the best ones will get a readout i I mean, you do hear stories of people, you know, I started with a pencil and I swapped the pencil for mm. a pencil sharpener and I swapped the pencil sharpener for a block of A4 paper and I swapped the A4 paper for a filing cabinet and a filing cabinet for a porta cabin and then eventually they end up in a multi-million pound house. They're not mm. mentioning so- all the personal services and fraud that are adjacent <laughs> to this little barter <laughs> journey. <laughs> well, we do seem to be focusing on crime quite a lot this morning. Let's see if we can identify a couple of watch crimes while we're at it. I don't think this counts as one, unfortunately, but Ariel, you did a hands-on review of the Audemars Piguet Royal Oak Jumbo Extra Thin Titanium watch with bulk metallic glass Uh, okay first questions first what on earth is bulk metallic glass uh the the term is it's almost so literal it's a it's a large category of things it's basically a particular way of making a metal alloy so it's 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 a range of metal alloys and there's a specific outcome but there's different ways of making it. i mean there's no one manufacturing process and the idea is essentially creating a solid metal with without a crystalline structure but what they call a glass-like structure where the atomic molecules are closer together this makes it denser this that makes it harder and it also makes it so it has a more polished uh, pol- polishable surface um, so they're, the one that Audemars Piguet uses is 50% palladium. They do not mention what the other 50% of materials are in the alloy. Um, plastic. Uh, pl- yeah, plastic, no. <laughs> Bioceramic. Um, so it's it's called uh, you know bulk metal, uh, metallic glass because it is metal, uh, it's dense, and it sort of has uh, a, a, the surface of glass. It, it, it melts like glass, and it has to melt in either a very rapid way under very quickly cooling temperatures or literally molecule by molecule. Um, so there's a, there's a series of production techniques. They're all very limited, very expensive. They can't make very large pieces. But according to a lot of people, this is a, this is a future for a lot of industrial applications. Um, and because of the ability to make very precise parts uh, that can have an amazing polishes and certain new shapes, there's a lot of excitement for the watch and jewelry world. And is it obvious to you as you're wearing it that this watch is different in terms of it's just not a, obviously there's titanium in this one, but it's obvious to you that the steel, if you like, is 
somewhat different or does it only become obvious when you start to try and bash it off of things and it's not scratching and it's maintaining its sheen better? I, yeah, I, I mean, that's a good question. I think on a very basic level, if someone just handed you the watch and you didn't really know that there was something special or nor were you like a material sciences nerd, nothing stands out as being particularly different. The titanium has the color of titanium, the the bulk metallic glass, palladium, I guess looks like palladium, but that's sort of like a whitish steel metal. It could be a bunch of things. It could be, it just has a high polish. It could be white gold for all you know. Um, the watch is a combination of light and and heavy because the bulk metallic glass, I think, is denser and the titanium is obviously lighter. So it doesn't, it's not the lightest, but it's clearly not the heaviest because when I was playing with that watch in the same meeting, they had the solid yellow gold version of the same size um, Royal Oak, the, the the jumbo, the 39 millimeter. And the gold one is, you know, that's that's a significantly heavier watch. Um, it is a very exciting material and there'll be more of it. I think the big question is why does it need to cost nearly a hundred thousand? Um, it doesn't. Um, it's extremely pretty. I think that mo more of the watch should have been bulk metallic glass. Um, not necessarily sure why they 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 chose to do it the way they did it. Um, but look, I mean, they're obviously on a roll right now. And when you hold the watch, and it's got the relatively new, uh, you know, movement in there that replaced the super aging <laughs> movement that was in the Royal Oak for the longest time. I mean, wow, did they? Yeah. Anyways, uh, the new move is great. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's it that club right now. Those people are willing to spend that amount of money on it. But it's it, it it's a nice watch. Wait till bulk metallic glass comes down in price to a watch near you. Hmm. David, what are your feelings about Odmar Piguet right now? Uh, wow. Maybe uh, you could hear like the voices in my head just screaming like, oh my goodness, I, I'm really not a fan <laughs> of AP at all. Uh, sometimes I wonder why there's still a buzz over this company. I'm not saying that we are creating that buzz right now, but if you look at like the last 10 years and what they've done, it's it's a company that is more that is irrelevant in a higher number of ways than basically almost any other watchmaker out there. They still live off just the Royal Oak, which is as the Rolex only made the Datejust or the Daytona. And everyone would be like, yeah, but have you seen the new Daytona? People would be rolling their eyes so hard they would be falling off their chairs. And whatever else they tried <laughs> beyond that, we, I guess we can say failed or just needs more time, I guess. And so the question is why, uh, you know, you, it's not that you can go out and buy too many of them uh, because a certain clientele is just, you know, just shopping them and just buying all of them up. They don't make too many watches. They don't really do anything to watch design, to the way they work, to the way they are done. Sure, they make a few in bulk metallic glass, great. Uh, but it's the irrelevance of the company striking in contrast to the attention that it receives is my point. Yeah, see, I was giving this some thought through the week because I've got this Christopher Ward Titanium 12, which is obviously in many ways a pastiche, an homage, a whatever of the Royal Oak. And so many watches are like that. And I was kind of mulling it over as to whether it's, you know, does the pleasure I get out of wearing this versus if I just said, well, wait a minute, I'm just going to, not bother. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to put myself on a waiting list. I'm going to buy a Royal Oak, and I'm just going to. I'm just going to come like a one brand person. I'm just going to buy a Royal Oak, and then I'm going to. 
buy another one after that and I'm going to become like a Mercedes owner that all the other buy is just the next S class that comes out and just focus on getting into one thing like Royal Oaks and I'm kind of torn as to whether that's an interesting route to take or not as to whether you know that there is something in just going like, okay this is the now whether you okay we can all debate whether this is the original Gerald Genta or whatever but yeah. it's the it's the one that is is the one that is like the one everybody thinks of when they talk about Gerald Genta but it's also just in its own thing it's the Royal Oak and yeah so I've been struggling this week as to whether I should just go you know what just save the money don't get involved in other things and just wait out until you get a royal and actually the pleasure you'll get from i don't know how much they cost now 30 40 grand to buy a, a reasonable new one obviously this one's far too small i don't know why there's i still don't understand the jumbo thing that's 39 millimeters but that's a historical let's not go there so i don't know is there is there anything to be said ariel david for just being a one brand person no no. <laughs> Meanwhile, David's head's exploding. One brand? And that one brand's got to be AP. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? How shallow do you have to be? I know, seriously. Look, like... if you're just into AP, you're probably not a watch lover. You're an AP lover. And mm. I think the short answer is Audemars Piguet is selling inclusion into a, a club, a lifestyle. Um, yeah. You get invited to parties. You're told about... The other folks that wear Audemars Piguet watches, whether they're fans or celebrity ambassadors, you get invited to concerts to hang out and drink and party. It is it is jewelry. It is a status item. It's significant. It signi- signifies a particular level of wealth and that you have fun. And it's really about all that much more in terms of what people are buying, then here's here's a timepiece. It's still a good timepiece. Uh, you know, agreeably it is. And, you know, they're they're from La Brasseuse and they're a Swiss watchmaker and, and they have, of course, you know, all that heritage, but that's not really what they're selling these days. Maybe that's it. Maybe their marketing is actually working and I'm being slowly tempted into the AP world of the house of, you know... Just, are you AP curious? Just, I'm even curious. <laughs> uh, Mike, Mike, when you're listening to this on the on the edit back, if you don't use the phrase "AP curious," I'll be I'll be very disappointed in the in the headline for this episode. <laughs> I did I did like Ariel your suggestion that as this watch has no running seconds, that really they need to animate the AP logo and have it rotate. 360 right? degrees. I, I, I think the AP should rock from side to side. Like one of those Rado Captain Cook things. Oh, wait. So goes, a, th- a weight? Or is it one of those complicated systems where even though there's a gear turning, it creates a rocking, i.e. back and forth mecha- uh, in motion? I think I think it should ju- I think it should not just be a free rotor. I think it should be ticking like a no. It like is a the second hand. It should be the second hand. Yeah. Rather than I a agree. hand that the AP the little A and P <laughs> you know it's a single piece unit. It just <laughs> spins on its own axis. I I want a second second to gang up with someone that knows how to do that with an AP and make the logo rotate. <laughs> I you know what I want? I want it to be a epic. tiny picture of Gerald Genta's portrait. <laughs> a tiny Gerald Genta, tiny, t- 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 tiny cartoon, second second, 
Gerald Genta as the second hand. Someone make this for me, please. With his mustache, the whole deal. <laughs> Maybe it could be just the mustache, just spinning. <laughs> just the spinning mustache. Well, I, Ariel, did you like this for $96,400? If it was burning a hole in your pocket? Look, the it's Burgundy a very is nice. pretty watch, okay? It's well done. I mean, you know, over the years, AP has said, if we're going to charge a premium, our watches better look it. And the detailing is really good. Uh, they really emphasize the finishing. You're like, wow, that's brushed or that's polished. Like they're really getting into that, especially um, on the ceramic pieces for you know some of the other watches I saw, the Royal Oak Offshores, for example. So they do that. But I mean, no one's saying like, and that's a great value. They're not trying to sell it that. They're, it's a different thing now. Remember, they're totally vertically integrated. They decide who they sell to. They decide what they sell them. Uh, there's no third-party retailers, really. It's, it's, it's just dealing with them. And that's a, that's a new business model, as effective as any of the other ones. And we'll, we'll have to see in, in a number of years what that means. So we're basically talk, we're reviewing watches that we know are more expensive per se than they need to be. But there are other intangibles that come with, you know, buying the brand. I, I'm, I'm not here to say it's overpriced because again, I can't quantify the other things that come with it. If there, there are brands that offer no brand, and have a lot and, and charge a lot. And we're like, what do we say all the time? Yeah, but with that brand, we keep agreeing that like if the brand was better, maybe we'd pay more. So mm. here we finally have a situation where like the brand is worth a lot. Everyone's like, yeah, like wearing like AP has a, a known brand, like that's gonna get me some notoriety. That's awesome. And the question is, will the market bear it? So far, it, it seems to be. Hi, this is Ariel Adams, founder of a blog to watch with a message about eBay. I visit eBay daily and have been relying on eBay to learn about and acquire watches for more than 20 years. Did you know that you can now buy watches directly from brands or their authorized dealers on eBay? Timepieces coveted by watch enthusiasts from brands like Zodiac, Loco, Parallel, and more are part of eBay's Certified by Brand program. Here's how it works. Luxury names are partnering with eBay to bring brand new and pre-owned watches and other luxury accessories directly to you. Certified by brand includes a minimum one-year factory warranty for watches and offers an unprecedented selection of new and used watches directly from the source, all with the peace of mind you can expect from eBay. Visit ebay.com slash certified by brand for more information. Let's talk about another watch that, shall we say, consists of some intangibles. And it's not often we go into the jewellery sector, but I know that David particularly liked this. And Bulgari do have a, a habit of producing watches that men really shouldn't like and wear, like a man's man. But actually, you're just like, yeah, this is just so bling it. I, I want one. David, tell us about your hands-on with the Bulgari Monte Catene. Is it Catene? Is that how you pronounce it? Monte Catene. Oh, well, there you go. You did a much better job than me. Dual time, secret fitted with ancient Roman coins. You were particularly excited about seeing this. Yes. Uh, is this the lovely Francis that's modelling this? Yes. So shout out to Francis. Thank you for modelling this. She did this watch. Yeah. Tremendous justice. Uh, honestly, this was when I saw this piece first come in, it was just this white background soldier image, you know, that is just basically uh, like the most basic tiny insert picture in, in, a, in an email. And I was like, I have to see that watch. And uh, thankfully, 
uh, at Geneva watch days I got the chance to go hands-on with it. It's not always easy, it's actually uh, always hilarious when you try and get hands-on time with one of these pieces because it's always somewhere. It's being shown to a client, it's with a CEO, it's in like this and that. Totally understandable, obviously everyone wants to see this. And so finally, um, the piece arrived and we were in this like quiet corner somewhere where you know because people just gang up on this watch they would they would just go there just, yeah. oh can i see just for a second and i'm like well so thankfully we had some time and basically what you need to know is that this is um a special piece of course this is a, a unique piece um it's well how to describe it if you're not seeing this in front of you it's um a, a rectangle shaped case with a lid on it and the lid is fitted with these two Asian Roman coins um, that have been uh, certified and looked into and all the rest and everything else is either gold or diamond set gold and the piece comes on this chain like bracelet that is crafted from rose gold and yellow gold and all the little pieces are diamond set and the links are separated by ribbons or like little rows of uh, channel set baguette diamonds so the whole thing is as over the top as you can think uh, or as you can imagine and when you open the lid then you see two tiny dials which display the time in two different time zones and these are two separate movements called the the bulgari piccolissimo piccolissimo means very small in italian and it is indeed an, an absolutely tiny movement that they developed very recently it's a uh, 12 millimeters wide and 2.5 millimeters thick. So it's a fraction of the size of a regular movement and yet it's it's an actual like a proper um, uh, hand-wound mechanical movement that they make in-house. And so these two movements power the two dials and the concept is, and here's what is cool, is that these coins uh, have been minted in a way where one shows Emperor Septimus Severus and usually the way that coins worked was that, you know, they were used by the emperors as a means of propaganda in a way. You know, people would pay with these, their heads would be on them or their successes or something like that would be recorded by the coins. And as people were trading and buying stuff and whatever, the coins would serve as a means of whatever, you know, propaganda we have today. And so it was extremely rare for them to share uh, this platform with, with anybody else, especially a woman. And so this is special because one of these coins is of Julia Domna, his, uh, his wife or his empress. And so one of the, uh, the dials is for her and basically the other one is for him. So it's like a his and her kind of thing. And it's rare to have two such coins from the same era, one of a man and one of a woman. That is basically the very Italian and Bulgari way of looking at this and presenting this watch, which by the way, is priced at $658,000. And is it a one-off? Yes. Yeah, and so do we know why? Like, where did this notion come from? Has this been built for somebody in particular or is it genuinely for sale to the first person that ponies up $700,000. Well, it's 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 tricky because uh, Bulgari actually has made a number of these monete or coin watches over the years um, and, mm. and even uh, jewelry as well, like necklaces, whatever. So it's it's a very Bulgari thing because of course this is you know, a very important part of Italian heritage and Italian history and they are very proud to be Italian. So uh, or, you know, so since over the last 80 years or so, Bulgaria has made, you know, watches and jewelry with, with this sort of stuff. So a lot of this 
uh, are, uh, you know, consignment pieces. Some of them they make on their own. Um, to be honest with this, they did put a price on it, but I'm not sure if it's going anywhere. Uh, we'll see if they hold on mm. to it or someone will buy it. Yeah, it's very cool. Absolutely awesome watch. I, I do like your positive. Yeah, how how do you actually fit this watch? How do you fit it? Um, yeah, as in like to to make it the right size for your wrist, yeah. or is it this is the size it comes in and just deal with it rattling around <laughs> your wrist? No, no. Uh, the, the way it works is if you look at it, you see these little lines of of, of diamonds, and so those are mm. um, used to separate the different links. So a spare link in this watch is going to be tens of thousands of dollars probably, <laughs> and then it has one of these horrendously complicated and impossible um, clasps, as you know, jewelry watches and jewelry usually has so of course you have to yeah. help your lady to put it on because otherwise it's not it's not an easy clasp to operate at all yeah i think looking at francis modeling this you could probably get two of francis's two francis's in the watch yes. with the length of the uh, of the chain link so there we go it's absolutely stunning ariel any brief thoughts on this i mean like you for me i'm i'm happy they make this stuff i won't be buying it probably won't be ever seeing it on somebody but that brands like Bulgari aren't just making the next mass-produced item keeps us all interested. Uh, we hope that items like this will end up in a museum one day. We're happy that there's someone out there who's able to afford it. Um, but honestly, I think that we have probably more fun seeing these watches, chatting about these watches, dreaming about who might end up owning these watches than when seeing the next, you know, conservative $3,000 dive watch that'll probably sell, you know, 40,000 units. <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention mass-produced dive watches Uh-oh. because it's that point in the show yeah. where we speak about Seiko's oh, new no, release and why guess the price of the Seiko? <laughs> I don't want to feel foolish again. <laughs> Seiko Prospects oh, US Special Edition. Hey guys, it's uh, a special edition. I don't know what that special means. Special edition. Seiko Prospects US, and it's US only, apparently. Or is it just a US special edition? Who knows? Seiko Prospects US Special Edition dive watches. There appear to be three varieties. It is a 62 mass reinterpretation. Uh, it is in Ugh. steel. It is a watch. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Seiko, but the question is, it is 13.2 millimetres thick, 200 metres of water resistance, mm. and has a super hard coating measuring 40.5 what, millimetres. What movement is it? Like, not like oh, it is a Calibre 6R35, 7 terahertz power reserve, 3 hertz. But the question three, we all want the answer hertz? to, 3 hertz, yes. Okay. 3 hertz, yep. Yes, it does, 3 hertz, 70 hertz. But the question we all want the answer to is, what are they charging for it? Uh, so a Seiko Prospects in USD. 1500 bucks. 1500 Higher or lower from David? Lower, 850 850 wow. Wow. Okay, almost bang in the middle. It's 1250 oh. So is this actually the first... Seiko, we've come across and playing this game that's actually probably at the right sort of price yeah. at twelve hundred and fifty dollars. It actually feels like a, it actually feels to me like a twelve hundred and fifty dollar watch. You I know, if you would have said four hertz, my price is going to be like three thousand. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> for that, it's a thousand. It's a thousand dollars a hertz. Very expensive hertz. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you had if to you pay just... that for computer processor speed. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
if <laughs> if you just shake it really hard, does that increase the price? Just make it go faster. Well, you know, the problem uh, is I feel like there are you know psycho enthusiasts out there banging on their table like these guys don't get psycho at all. Like how can they suggest that a three grand psycho is just a hertz different from this? You know, like don't you know the case and the bracelet and then the bezel and then the bezel insert? No, because and I the remember class. when you you and I remember when the three hertz psycho was like three hundred dollars. Yes. That's why you laugh at it. I just wanted to be the voice yeah. of the people who are shouting back at home and banging <laughs> on their desk and saying like, you, you idiots don't understand. We do get it, Sacrilege. but it's still funny. <laughs> yes. Get on the chat on Spotify and tell us why we're wrong. Send us in a voice memo. Send us an angry voice memo. Yes. To us. Angry voice memos. Yes, we'll play the angry voice memos. So there we go. I quite like it. I, I mean, maybe I've just become attuned to the fact that a watch like this should cost twelve hundred dollars, hmm. but it seems okay. But maybe I'm just like, you know, past past the point of no return. Maybe I need help, and that this actually should just be, as you say, David, an eight hundred or a six hundred dollar watch, and be done with it. But hmm. there we have it. I go check it out on the website. Decide if you like it. Let's do some hit miss maybe. And first up this week, I think, has to be the new releases from Richard Mule, the RM0701 coloured ceramic watches. This is a kind of moving on from those confectionery ones. Was that three years ago? More. The confectionery? Was it more than that? The flump? The, or as we call it, do you know what flumps are? Does the word flump mean anything in either American or Hungarian confectionery culture. Hmm. No. What word? Flump. Flump? That's is that like something Flump. falling on the floor that has sort of a elastic and wet quality to it? Yes, yeah, I suppose that is a good description, <laughs> the onomatopoeia of the word. But if you Google flump, you'll find the kind of sweetie, it's a kind of marshmallow. So oh. which mm. is what these original Richard meals remind me of. Like imagine if like a bunch of pizza dough fell on the floor. That would make a flump, flump. right? Yes. Yes. So is this a is this a flop? What would it be? Is it a hit miss? Maybe it'd be a flop, flump, flat. I don't know. Do, anyway, do we not miss, have maybe. enough opinion terms? Are we running out? Yeah. <laughs> hit miss no. maybe isn't enough. We need also it's flop. Not yeah, for, for Richard Mille taking it to the next level, we need brand new terms. What do we think? I, I like them. miss maybe. You like them? Oh, yeah. Uh, look, when when they came out with the Bon Bon candy ones and that was their like goodbye SIHH, those things <laughs> sold like hotcakes. They saw that culture was about to go pop art bright colors uh that it was that it was all about get moving away from diamonds and things like that they've made a couple of series since then um this is just sort of a thematic variation on that um and this sort of bright color trend to me shows no sign of slowing down what i think is amusing is you don't need to spend all this money for these colors uh but again it's it shows a certain amount of courage uh by richard meal and that they are you know a fashion leader if that's something that's important to you david tipness maybe it's like I, I i cannot dislike it um but it's two hundred and five thousand dollars and looking at it and I, i've been to the richard Mill manufacturer actually a few times 
and I've seen you know all the effort that goes into these watches but looking at these pictures there's not much on these particular watches that make it look like as though you could not make something very similar for $2,500 or at least $20,500 it's uh it's it's great that it exists it's a lot of fun to be had if you have stupid amounts of money uh, but I just so wish that somebody would make this exact freaking watch for a tenth of the price or maybe a twentieth of the price um, why is it that for something like this to exist, you have to spend, you know, freaking like 20,000. It has like an Alan Silverstein kind of vibe to it. And that's very cool. Mm. Um, so yeah, why not? I just, just make, make these, like somebody go out, look at this and make the same thing with the same, roughly the same materials for a fraction of the price, please. So we're putting you down for a maybe? No, it's, it's, it's a hit. Let's, let's call it a hit. It's a hit? Yes. Okay. For me, it's a maybe. It's vel. It's a. Is it a Velcro strap? Yes, I think it is, isn't it? You like a Velcro? So, right? oh, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Two two hundred grand for a Velcro strap. <laughs> I actually don't. Th I mean, I like the watch. Yeah, but you'll get a discount head. on your first replacement strap too. You know. <laughs> it's all. How much do you think a replacement Velcro it's strap is for Richard Mule? Let's play that game. <laughs> it's <laughs> a more or less than a Seiko. <laughs> which is more expensive that Seiko or a replacement strap for a Richard oh. Mule? I, I, I mean, I like the watch head. I just, I'm not sure that the the strap uh, works with the watch case. It looks that the size doesn't look right to me. Mm. It, I don't know whether it's just the pictures are really poor, but it just doesn't seem to. F you know, I, I'm used to Richard Mule's feeling like they flow really well from the case to the strap. It's maybe just the angles Probably that there's been, the, been uh, the press. But this feels like the straps are almost like an afterthought. It's it's really weird. I'm not quite sure. I go and have a look at the pictures of it. It feels like the straps don't sit quite as flush to the back of the case as I would be used to. So I wonder how comfy they are. Because... And and it's a Velcro... It would be interesting to know where the pinch point is on the Velcro because it only allows you to tighten it to a certain point because it's like a, whatever it's made of, the kind of leatherette thing, and then it turns into the Velcro bit that doubles back. So it's not like an endless NATO where you can kind of pull it as tight as you like. So it would be interesting to know because you've got to assume a lot of these watches are maybe going to be... Are they more likely to be worn by women than men? Yes. Possibly. But it's fine. So it'll be interesting to see if they've managed to, if they've managed to find a Velcro strap that's actually capable of being used by both men and women. But yeah, as you say, Ariel, for four grand, they'll throw you in a couple of extras. So IWC Big Pilot Watch 43 Tourbillon Marcus Buller Buller Watch with a turbine. This for me is unfortunately a miss. I really like these big pilot watches, but uh, that turbine, yeah, you either have to have a, a tourbillon and show it, or a tourbillon and hide it. I, I don't understand what this is doing with this kind of turbine thing. It feels like a pearly pastiche in some way, shape, or form. Don't get it. If you look Somebody closely, to explain it to me. I think it'll actually look cooler. In animated form, because you not only have the turbine which spins as the seconds hand, but underneath them is the is the escapement uh, and the in in the balance wheel moving. So there's sort of double movement. There's the movement on the uh, the upper side, which is the seconds hand, and then underneath it, 
I'm just guessing there's going to be some type of interesting visual effect. There might not be, but the animated, you know, experience looking at this is, I think we're all going to agree, better than the static images. And so uh, I'm curious about, on, so on the turbine, there is a marker, which is presumably supposed to, is tied into the minute hand. So that's the second counter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious as to how you set this. You don't. Well, you don't. You don't. So it's <laughs> it's it's you just you just have to yeah. You just go with it. I, I think that might. I just go with it. I think that might. Do you have me. a lot of watches where you can independently set the seconds hands? That's kind of no, rare. No, but this 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 just feels like. Uh, in you sufficiently think this is the chron- the, This is the chronometry nerds IWC of choice. Is that Are what you saying? looking yeah, for like a this, stop second just, trick or what? Yeah, is is yeah. So is this a is this a hacking seconds? I don't think it's a turbine underneath, uh, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure that. Um, I don't think items... they. Ha- I don't think they have a hacking turbine. Oh, it's a turbine even. Yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a turbine. I thought it was just a normal. It's a turbine. So it's, it's a, even cooler the, underneath. The clue, the clue is in the name. The clue is in the name, Ariel. Forty-three mil turbine turbine watch. I didn't even. Uh, I just saw the pictures. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just. And that second, the second marker would bug me, because if you can't set it, I don't know. It just feels different from having a second hand that you can't set. Hmm. IWC is going to be so upset they're going to lose your sale, Rick. I, I know for a hundred. What is the price that? A hundred and twenty-five thousand. They were looking forward to welcome welcome you in the store. You know, I'll take my hundred twenty-five thousand Swiss francs and buy one hundred Seikos instead. Go on. I am looking at this picture where they are, mm. where the guy is holding onto the turbine assembly. Um, yes. And if you look at the movement underneath, there's this arm that appears to be connected to the keyless works, and that could very well be a hacking mechanism right there. A hacking mechanism. Oh my okay. god. Rick's <laughs> mind is blown then, and changed. Oh my then god. I'm buying it. It's Rick, a hit. prepare your 125,000 suit strings. I, I have Seconds counter be damned. I am selling off my, my my Swatch Pegaso will no longer be given away. It will be sold. <laughs> Traded. A one for one trade. IWC. If you want to swap an IWC turbine watch for a Swatch Pegaso, give us a shout. Mm. Looking forward to your call, Chris Granger. Uh, right. And so, hit or miss for you guys, Ariel? Um, I mean, look, it's a little cheesy looking for a tourbillon. I mean, there's a guy out there who's going to mm. love it, and I'm sure I wouldn't turn it down. But, like, when you're trying to appreciate expensive watches you can't afford, this doesn't really score high in the, like, pretty meter. <laughs> tourbillon with <Yeah>. cheese. <laughs> David Turbillon with cheese. We have a we have a flump category and a turbion with cheese. <laughs> I, I'll take that as a miss. No, actually, it's okay. it's, it's, it's fine. I guess I'm happy Excellent. it exists. Right. I don't like this big You're stupid happy? gouging <laughs> crown on these watches. I, 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 it's it's just something that people don't talk about. Like they wear this watch around and they have this torture device and it's like, but it looks cool. Well, it does look cool, but it's hideously uh, uncomfortable. That's one of the problems. Someday there's going to be a tourbillon in honor of David, and we're going to make fun of it. <laughs> With cheese. So from here on in, it's hit, miss, maybe, and happy exists. That's our fourth. We have a new fourth happy. Hat. Yes, I like okay. that. Okay. Yes. Happy exists. Okay. <laughs> let's decide if the Bell & Ross BR3 Gyro Compass watch is hit, miss, maybe, or 
happy it exists. I love this. This is a hit. Who doesn't like this? Oh, uh, well, I love Bell and <laughs> Ross. I love the whole instrument collection. These ones are a little bit weird to me because they take an instrument that wasn't designed to tell the time and then they sort of make it tell the time. And there's a lot of inexpensive toys out there that have done stuff like that. And here's a very expensive version of that. So I understand the idea of it. But for me, it doesn't represent the type of inst like instruments because uh, it's sort of like a it's a trick instrument like it's no it's that's not this it just tells the time which is cool but it's sort of like novelty factor and i don't find that to be as classy as some of the other bell and rosses i don't have to love all of bell and ross i've disagreed with probably 10 or 50 percent of their production but i still like the majority of what they do so a miss or a maybe for me for me it's a miss but just because mm -hmm. there's other watches they make that i like a whole lot better yeah david yeah, it's it's kind of it's talk about cheese. I mean, this is uh, this is right up there. You you do have to love your flight instruments very much to pick this. You have this big potentially loomed plane telling maybe the hours, and then the other one the minutes. But there's no hour track. It's a uh, you know uh, well who knows you know if I saw someone wear this, I would be like good for you. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> let's call it a hit. <laughs> Hit miss maybe glad it exists and good for you. <laughs> Bell and Ross has been making well done. these. It'll um, be okay in the morning. They've yes. been making these ver these watches for a number of years, where they play with the various <laughs> instruments in the cockpit. This is like I don't know the fifth or sixth one they've made, maybe even more. So like clearly people are buying these. That's great. I'm just very comfortable not saying this is the one I want to wear myself. Hmm. Okay, well, that is us for this week, gentlemen. Ariel, you are traveling to New York on secret mission. Anything you can reveal? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. Uh, the The primary thing, of course, is the party, which serves as the launch event for the 40 Years of G-Shock book that I wrote for Casio, and that's going to be launched at the G-Shock Boutique on October 10th uh, at their store in Soho in New York City. I'll be there, so if you hear the show and it's before that, come on come on down um i've got a lot of other meetings there catching up with brands um we're gonna see whatever the new face of car lift bucher is that'll be interesting um you know especially since they planned all this prior to the rolex buying them news and now they are like the weird sister brand of, of tudor and rolex like and that's a funny thing i was with tudor recently i was like guys did you ever think there would be another brand in the group? And there was like, no, hell no. We never thought that no one had any idea. So now there's this interesting question of what the personality and management will be like of Carla Bucure, which is a brand I, I've actually liked for quite a while. So that and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Great watches, but always had the issue that it felt like you were buying a watch that was, you know, like... It's not the same as buying a watch from Walmart or Tesco, like a Tesco watch, but it just felt odd that you were buying it from the boutique that you were in that had its name on it that also sold all these other watches. But now that it's associated with Rolex, it will be interesting to see. Do you, is your expectation that it will go... Where do you think it will end up sitting as a brand? In between Tudor and Rolex? doing the things that Tudor and Rolex can't do? Or do you think they'll move it up to become very slowly in the kind of more Patek, 
more inline and zona. My guess. My, my guess is they're moving it more upscale. Yeah, is they'll go. I, I think that'd be my guess because they do make some very expensive watches. I mean, it's minute repeaters and as well as like seven or eight grand chronographs. Yeah, I think so, that that you're sort of right with some of the brands that they may want to compete with. I'm not sure how high end they want to go, but they're definitely not going to release like their integrated bracelet, you know, sports watch. Um, this is going to be complexity based, watchmaking based. You know, Tudor and Rolex, they've they've got the whole market on the three hand uh, dials and maybe the the, the basic chronographs. They're going to have to be something separate. You know, tourbillons, obviously, you mentioned minute repeaters. We don't really know what price point they're going to be at yet. We don't know what they're going to do with a peripheral rotor. My hope is that they look a little bit more forward in terms of the design style. It was a very futuristic brand for a while, and then they just sort of fell into this, like, classic watch trap when there doesn't seem to be anyone at the helm or anyone cares. They're like, oh, no one's paying any attention. Let's just make classic watches for a few years. Um, Now we hope there's going to be something a little bit more. But yeah, I'm guessing probably you know the the average price points are going to be between two and forty thousand, um, and and we'll see. I mean, it may even end up being like a strange sort of you listen Ardon competitor. I, I don't know. Yeah, and uh, David, do well. How long do you think? Do you think they'll stay with the Carl F, or do you think it will end up becoming Bucherer? I don't think they'll change the name. I I don't see you don't that think the happening. Name will slowly drift. Yeah, there's. There's a fair number of good reasons to not just call it Bucherer. Um, as you said, people don't like buying watches with a store name on it. So Turneau learned that the hard way, which Bucherer also purchased. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think that's very important to recognize. Also, um, these are watches that are probably going to be sold alongside Rolex, so they have to have some sort of differentiating differentiation point. But will they be sold? In non-Bucherer boutiques, I don't see why not. If somebody wants them, yeah, hmm. well, uh, that'll be. I, I, can you get them in non-Bucherer? Like, can you buy a Carl F. Bucherer from Watches of Switzerland? Theoretically, I not. Can you? Can you do that just now? Uh, I, don't I don't know. I don't know who their authorized dealers are, but I know for yeah. a fact that that the business plan, at least as of recently, mm-hmm. was to sell in as many third-party authorized Places dealers possible. as possible. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. And I do, it then does beg the question in the launch of these new watches, could these be the shortest run Carl F. Bookers? If, they, if what they end up launching is a new dive watch, then could this be quite a short production run for a new watch? It's possible. Rolex, it's possible. So they, I don't think they would do value. the announcement. I don't think they would actually go to the trouble of announcing a bunch of watches only, you know, because again, it's not like, they weren't purchased yet. Like it's known and everybody knows this event was going to happen. They could have just canceled it, right? If they didn't like it. What I think is interesting is that we don't know where the desirability of the Karlef Bucherer brand is going to go, but we do know that there's a lot of complicated watches that don't have huge demand on the secondary market. And so, you know, if you are a collector and a bit of a speculator, this might be the time to get some good values that a few years from now, once people further associate Bucherer with Rolex, uh, th- those deals might not exist anymore. And I couldn't mention any specific watch, but you know the A1000 uh, with the automatic movement that has a peripheral rotor, um, <clears throat> that's very cool. And they've made a, a bunch of versions of that, futuristic ones as well as more classic looking ones. So 
they made a lot of very fine timepieces over the years, not just, you know, the super expensive ones. The Scuba Tech, even though it has an Eda movement in there, it's a pretty darn cool dive watch. It's got a lot going on in terms of personality. So I think that's a brand for people to discover before it, you know, as you said, becomes something unrecognizable from what it was mm. in the past. Yeah, go go have a wee wee squiz at the Carth Booker website. I highly recommend it. David, your next week holds what? Oh, just trying to arrange some reviews and uh yeah, it's not always easy um with uh with, with insurance and shipping and all the rest. So that's that's one of the headaches right now with actually not one but a few of the brands, but you know, we'll, we'll work it out. Yeah, David will struggle on, the struggle is real. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, Thank you all for listening this week. We hope you tune in again next week. Have a great week. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.